This is episode four of season one. Welcome to Tales from Great Shale, a podcast featuring one-of-a-kind stories from the universe of the upcoming Great Shale Chronicles series of novels. I'm your host, Simon Woodington. Today we will begin our story with the plight of a councilman who serves King Edward Trandon of Great Shale. Let us begin. It might not have been so interesting a tale. Leaders who won't happen all the time. Appointed, elected, prophesied, they all have their failings. Nothing guarantees a leader. Sometimes, though, they fit the role, but not the seat, as you shall soon see. I didn't understand him at first, either. His kingship, Edrith Drandon III, is the very mirror of his predecessor, the man I knew exceedingly well. His father, King Trey Drandon, was a stocky, average-height man, by our standards, five and a half heads tall, a quarter more in the heeled boots he typically wore. Most men in the court were taller. It gave Trey occasion to flamboyance in the presentation of his attire, much to the chagrin of his advisers. Having taught the young man to embrace himself by way of advice to the women who saw to his education, he did so. There was no shame in him, no shame whatsoever. Perhaps that is where his son Edrith went so awry. I can only conclude that Trey's personal education of the boy affected his desire to serve the kingdom in the traditional fashion. Let his advisors and court do the representation so that he could stand as the divine solitude of purity for the future of Drosdale. Yet, Edrith had a charm that was impossible to ignore, and perhaps that is where it began with me. I suppose I fell prey to it as well. In retrospect, I could not be held to the advice that I gave to Trey to be clinical and formal with the child. Is this not very interesting? Perhaps it is, only to me. Very well. I shall relate to you a tale about a singular misdeed, one that, without a doubt, preserved our kingdom from destruction. Oh, nothing so banal as an attacking war front, you shall see. Now, when was it? Sometime after, between spring-summer, in the second year of Edred's rule, he appeared to have settled in comfortably after the passing of his father. Drosdale had many improvements since the passing of the Rainwall Line. There are records on that peaceful transition. Seek them out if you so desire. Early summer, then. Edrith ruled in prosperity all his days, but not in the way that you would traditionally deem. It was at this time that his curious attitudes about the domain began to, shall I say, be aired out for all to witness. It was one early morning in court. He was displeased with the tax rates and told us they needed to be lowered. 
Yedith, Matral, and I were wholly puzzled by this proclamation. He just sat there in his crimson shirt, silver vest, and pants. His thick jaw shifted ever so slightly under his masculine mouth, chiseled nose and brow. The young man looked at us resolute as the statue commissioned for him just yesterday. Chocolate and silver eyes moved between the three of us on our seats as though he were some breed of predator. My Lord Drandon, I said, hand raised to conceal the jutter of my lower lip. He could not possibly understand what he was saying, but I had to ask him what he intended. I continued, The royal coffers are amply supplied. Our debts are only those of delayed physical delivery. Physical currency takes time just to transport. It is as Joran says, said Yedith of the judicial branch. Her slim body also seemed to tremble in her dark robes and flat, ruffled cap. We have not had a prosecution of debt in nearly three terms. I am certain Matrel can make a fair report from the managerial branch. That I assuredly can, Matrel said, square-shouldered and round-faced. He stood, and the rotundness of his body was displayed on the curvature of his stomach, even under his jade-green robe. I can have each host present a report of our kingdom's good food supply, housing, and labor. Export is at an all-time high. I believe Fafrin said something to this extent, and not just yesterday. To my very person. Intimately. Matrel's awkward smile was not comforting to me, but confidence between us was complete. With the stage set, I could inquire, uh, so I said, What is your intention, my king? Edrit's thick fingers drummed upon the ferris head, carved arm of his throne, and the muscles of his shoulder rippled when he raised his hand to his mouth and set a thumb upon his pursed lower lip. This he lowered, and then said in a rich baritone, I wish to draw attention to the South Quarter. Painters, crafters, creators of ill repute among the gentry, but great renown among those you manage, Minister Matrel. Matrel's color paled and my stomach sank. How had we failed to raise them to prominence? We exchanged glances and then we both looked at Yedith, who lifted her shoulders in outright befuddlement. It could not have been possible. It just yesterday month we had staged a fair for all to attend. I had been told by my aides that it was met with much success. When I related this to Edrith in detail, he scoffed. I was appalled. Your report betrays its narrow view, said Edrith. He stood and removed the crown from his head itself a resplendent example of the finest workmanship of the age. He pulled the knotted cord of the tail of his wavy, amber-bright hair, and it spilled about his shoulders. Then he was gone, the shadow of his body remaining long enough for us to glean that he had abandoned his post yet again. Quickly I relayed the message to the guards without the chamber to report that our session was ended. Nothing was amiss. The king had merely retired to his personal chambers by means of a secret passage. Our business for the day was concluded, and any who might arrive with official business were to be routed to my chambers in the southern wing of Chalcedony. 
The guards surmised that the king had taken to the company of a young lady who had lately frequented the court, and I did not dissuade them from this idea. It was not unlike Edrith to have such an outburst and depart with us in the wake of ignorance. In fact, I believe it was a tool of his to coax enlightenment out of us when he could get it. At the time, I had a limited understanding of his wisdom and cursed myself for not having him watched. Um, I found the idea repugnant, however, even though I was certain that Matral and Yedith employed their own spies for just such a purpose. Fortunately, I was not without my resources and determination. What had he meant by neglected painters of ill repute? One person would know. In the past, I had turned to the blessed matron of the Alvruna, Kivsky Melahu, a kindly female with no patience for ignorance, but a deep interest in the frailties of the average feller. Regrettably, she demonstrated little interest in their intercultural exchanges, which I have found to be at the heart of Edrith's concerns. Representative Act Frex of the Feelings was similarly of little utility, a male of great honor, but little academic skill. No, not even Representative Boisel Atun's perchant for adapting ancient lore into modern melody would prove of any use to me. I found her in the library after inquiring with her aide, the Elith Kodani Ashel, a deadly young male of which I was always wary. What I did not anticipate was the ruckus, though I probably should have expected something. I heard a crash and thump of some manner of excitement beyond the carved Corlin doors and worked to push one aside. No small effort, I regret to say. With that accomplished, though, I was in and greeted to a scene of recently ended grim violence. Shame. Won't get any answers out of that one she said. Lady Eris Vanadil stood a full head taller than the king himself and was easily as physically robust. She wore at the time a haphazard combination of chainmail, breastplate, and assorted pieces I could not account for. I had wondered on occasion if they might find some romantic interest with each other, but the very notion amused her to no end. As such, her sun-yellow eyes and hair seemed to brighten at the sight of me. I have no idea why she takes such pleasure in my company. She is impossible to manage. Ah, my Lady Vanadil! Focus, she said, and promptly jumped one-handed over a table turned upon its side and took me up in a torso-grinding hug. I gasped and shortly she let me loose to catch my breath. My name, I said between gasps, is Fokai Joran. Sure it is, Focus Jones, she said and grinned. Then she looked at me and I grew nervous while she excited again. Oh, you're here because he jumped ship again, didn't he? A pair of soldiers had entered the room and were busily arranging tables and removing the course of a... Uh, so vague to recall... Green-skinned, not all runa. Ah, yes. She had explained upon noticing the direction of my curiosity. Explained not very well, that is. 
I think that one's from Garan Isle. Trevin telleth there some such. Grail and Trebethil, I said, in a slow way to reiterate. Right, there had been no need to explain. Such intrusions were not commonplace. Hence, she and her mercenaries had been employed as protection throughout Drosdale. I told her, your memory is improving. One side of her mouth lifted, and she thumped her skull with a closed fist. Gotta be. So, what's he here for? More books? Because I sure cleaned up a mess. I felt my jaw pull back and lips thin. I said, they cleaned up a mess. You did your job. But leave us not be distracted by these matters. Without disclosing too much, I can confirm that your guess is correct. Weren't no guess. I knew it, she said in a volume uncomfortable for my ears. I scratched at the inside of mine. As you say, Eris, uh, where will I find him? She began to pace, arms folded over her armor-plated breasts. Uh, just how was she to determine this without any references teased my curiosity, but then she always did. She would pace, then stop, then make some form of affirmative noise, then do it all over again for half a candle mark. No, I do not suspect that uh, hurry was in her vocabulary, such as it was. Eventually, she traipsed on over to me and asked, What were you on about this time? I had already made a thorough visual scan of the library, but felt it important to look about one more time, just to be certain. If anyone were listening, we could be talking about anyone. I said, painters of ill repute. She slapped my back and my bearings scattered everywhere until I could recollect them. Then she said like a pipe at mealtime, You just had to say that. He'll be in Green Sweet Hollow. My body went cold in waves. Three of them. Eris stared at me while images flipped through my mind as one scans a volume for a particular arrangement of characters, typography, and art. Greensweet Hollow was barren, its namesake a warning to any who dare traverse its deadly, life-leeching territory. Jones? Hey, Jones? I ain't verified it yet, Eris said and tried to sound doubtful to ease my anxiety. Could be wrong, but there's no other place where they do that kind of painting. I reached out and my hands lashed onto her shoulders for lack of anything else to grip. I tried to pull her close, but instead dragged myself to her. Regardless of how foolish I looked or sounded, I said, you will take me there. Reckless joviality in her eyes solidified into a danger-loving leer that I knew from days long gone. She said, I know the way if you got the pay. To be continued. Green Sweet Hollow. Painters of ill repute. Well, next episode we will get to learn a little more about Fokai Joran and Eris Vanadil as they seek out King Drandon. Yes, this is something of a format change. We will be meeting in the future Gown and Raven, Kadri and Donson, 
Gooden and the unknown female from episode 3. Is that tipping my hat too much? Well, you've been patient, and I am grateful for every single listener who has joined us. As always, comments and feedback can be directed by email to comments at gritshale.com. Some will be chosen to be read and answered on the podcast, so we welcome your submission. If you would like more information about this podcast or the novel series Gritshell Chronicles, please visit talesofgritshell.com. This podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Well, friends and fans, our time together has been brief, but I hope it has been enjoyable. There are more tales to come, so I hope you will join us next time to hear more from the inhabitants of Great Jail. Until the next time, all content for this episode was provided by Simon Woodington.